0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Objective Health. I'll be your host this week. My name is James. Joining me in our virtual studio, we have Doug, Erica, Tiffany. And behind the scenes, Damien is running the electronic machinery to keep the show running. Thanks, Damien. The Yep.
1: The dooh- Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hi.
2: The master of the universe. <laughs> the master of the doohickeys. <laughs>
0: Uh, So this week, we're going to be discussing an article. um, It's titled 18 Reasons I Won't Be Getting a COVID Vaccine. It's by, uh, let's see, what's the author's name? Christian Elliott. Christian Elliott. Thanks, Erica. (laughs) Um, So I came across this article. Somebody, a friend of mine sent it to me knowing that I I was not planning to get the vaccine. And um, he did a really great job putting together... um, a well, well-researched argument for not getting a COVID vaccine, and I thought there was a lot of ammunition in there um, that would be useful for discussing it with people. Um, if you, you know, because sometimes, sometimes you can just kind of dodge the question if somebody is asking you, um, "Have you had your vaccine, or are you going to get vaccinated?" Sometimes I find people just assume that I've been vaccinated or I'm getting vaccinated. But sometimes people you know, really drill in there and they wanna know, did you get your vaccine? And if not, why not? How could you be so silly to not get your vaccine? And um, so uh, the author of this article really did a great job um, collecting research and thinking about the questions and um, putting together a good argument for not getting a COVID jab. Um, so I thought it'd be worth going over and linking to the article and bringing it up for, for people to read it on their own and and um, have some really good arguments to not get the vaccine or any of the vaccines. And the, the first argument that he has is that vaccine makers are immune from liability. Um, and it kind of feeds into the second argument, which is that the vaccine makers, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, and AstraZeneca have all been um, sued many times in the past and lost many lawsuits. And so they really have no, we have no reason to trust them mm-hmm. um, that their vaccines are safe. And on top of that, they're immune from liability. So if things go wrong, there there's no recourse for the public to um, put together a class action lawsuit or even to sue the companies as individuals so it it puts you in sort of you know as a person who asks questions and maybe doesn't trust the blindly trust the government and big pharmaceutical companies to have our best interests in mind for me it it brings up a number of questions if the vaccines are safe why do you need liability from lawsuits and uh you know obviously having the liability from lawsuits is a good thing. If you've been sued in the past for um, damaging people's health and have lost multiple lawsuits. So for me, you know, having already a low level of trust from reading about um, historical examples of uh, medical experiments on people, you know, things like the Tuskegee syphilis experiments and things like that, you know, on top of that to feel like, well,
1: no recourse so I think he makes a good point saying you know if we can't like if they have all these kind of lawsuits against them and all that this, this kind of stuff like they have a very checkered past um, and that's when they aren't immune from liability so why would you trust them when they are immune from liability it's kind of like they didn't do the job right when they were liable why are they going to be better when they aren't liable it kind of it, it really like it's a head scratcher. It's like you know where's where's the incentive for them to um, actually put out a safe product if they know that they they can't be um, sued for it mm-hmm. essentially. So yeah, it's kind of like you know you know I mean you'd like to think that everybody is is, is a nice person and they would you know do the best job that they could because um, they don't want to hurt people. But I mean, I don't think any of us are that naive. Uh, we know how these corporations work. Um, you know, it's no one person who is going to be blamed for it. Um, it's you know, it, the company gets blamed, and the company is a non-entity essentially. So, you know, anyway, if they if they don't have liability, I can't see them doing a better job when they when they they are liable. So.
2: I don't think the vast majority of the lay public know that vaccine makers are not liable.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true.
2: Or
3: the history of we'll just use Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson as an example, the billions of dollars. I mean, Johnson and Johnson for 30 years used asbestos in baby powder and they knew it and they continued to use that in baby powder for 30 years you know, and they just now settled a lawsuit. There's a little bit of that coming out, especially, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I'm seeing this whole, like now it's a battle of the vaccines between Johnson and Johnson and Moderna and Pfizer, because as far as I understand, the Johnson and Johnson one is like a traditional vaccine in that it's not using the MRNA. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, The fact that that, that Johnson and Johnson could get away with that and then be proven in a court of law that it caused, you know, ovarian cancers and everyone just thinks, well, great. Well, now they're making a vaccine and that they want to test it on children like uh, there's just there's no reasoning in all that, even if people don't know. You know,
2: yeah, there is a lot riding on the fact that if people did know that, that the majority don't know it and if you did know it you forgot because a lot of people don't put those things together like yeah that's this company has been sued in the past and they knew that there was asbestos in the baby powder and they did it anyway and this is the same company who's offering up a vaccine or this is the same company that's been sued for millions of dollars for falsely representing their product or mis- uh, using it for off-label uses or whatever these are the same people that we are entrusting Mm -hmm. to protect our health during this dire emergency. Right. Like there's nobody else who could do this except for these people.
0: (laughs) Well, it goes back to the narrative that's been pushed around coronavirus from the beginning, Mm -hmm. which, you know, makes you feel like your immune system, everyone's immune systems just stopped working you know, no one can fight this thing. If you get exposed to it, you're going to catch it and you're going to die. Yeah, And Mm -hmm. you have to isolate yourself. And the only way to be safe again is to get this vaccine, you know, which there are so many things wrong with that narrative that I, I, you know, I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And the data that has come out, even from the CDC, the official government data, uh, contradicts that narrative, um, for starters that the virus is so deadly you know for the vast majority of the population it's not and then to even call some of these uh drugs vaccines like the pfizer and moderna quote-unquote vaccines the the shots you know they're they're not necessarily even intended to uh provide the person with immunity they reduce the symptoms and uh that's covered later in the article but you know so the whole narrative falls apart but it was um, pushed so hard and, and so well that, you know, a lot of people believe it very strongly. And um, so anyway. um,
3: Well, I think number nine is a good, just what you're speaking about how the, the vaccines do not stop transmission or infection. So with people asking just what you started with James Because I work in an environment, too, where people are asking every day if you're getting it. And, you know, in a work setting, for one, I want to say, well, that's crazy talk. That's none of your business, you know. Um, I don't you don't ask me if I've had an HIV test or Mm -hmm. any of these other things, but it can be a very slippery slope. And I'm sure in your area that you work with people, too. So how do you tell somebody, well, it doesn't stop transmission or infection, you know? I mean, for me, I can't do that. I just say, yes, we've all been offered the vaccine. I don't say whether or not I've taken it, Mm -hmm. but um, that just seems to be a good kind of neutralizing point. But what I really want to say is the 19 things in this (laughs) article That, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, our 18th thing. Sorry, we we decided we're going to add a 19th (laughs) show. (laughs) But, um, you know, I want to say those things because I genuinely care about people. But I also know that a lot of people aren't ready to hear that. You know, they're just not in a place to receive the information that they're not stopping transmission or infection and that if you listen carefully, they'll actually tell you that.
1: Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it. You know, that it is kind of like that people aren't ready to hear it, but Fauci has basically come out and said it. So it's yeah. it's like they can't they can't have it pointed out to them what has actually been told to them, that the vaccine doesn't stop spreading the virus. It won't stop us... From getting the virus, all it does is apparently mitigate the symptoms, and I don't even even know how how good it is at doing that. So yeah, the idea that you know oh people aren't ready to hear that it's like like come on, I'm not saying it's not true because because it is true, but it's it's just yeah, what can you do at that point? There's nothing that you can say to them other than yes I got the vaccine to you know deescalate the situation.
2: Well, people have been so conditioned to think of vaccines as preventatives that Uh getting around that, even when it's been said repeatedly that this is not going to stop anybody from getting it or transmitting it. People have been so conditioned to think that that is actually correct when they hear about vaccines, that they're going to stop you from catching something that there's pretty much no convincing them otherwise in the face of, uh, you know, people just saying it, even Fauci.
1: Yeah.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a it's a misnomer to even call the Pfizer and Moderna shots vaccines cuz they're not vaccines they're injectable drugs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Genetic genetic and what do they call it? Genetic technology or something like that.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it is CRISPR-9 tech. I mean, it, mm-hmm. we did a show a couple of months ago about synthetic biology, and that's essentially what it is. I mean, uh, uh, Moderna is a huge investor in that, and they've never even brought a vaccine to market. And apparently, all the other products they've mailed, uh, made have failed miserably. So, mm-hmm. and you know that it, it, it's obviously, if you try and Google that, you might not find it anymore, but uh You know, I mean, whoever even heard
2: of Moderna up until recently? Yeah. They didn't have any products out, vaccines out before now. Yeah. This is their maiden voyage into vaccine land or so-called vaccines.
0: It doesn't exactly fill you with confidence. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. No.
2: Some people are calling them
3: injectables, which I think is kind of a good term to use. Mm. You know, is it just... Don't not quite sure what's in that injectable, but it's good for you.
0: <laughs> Fun though, I don't know. I'm just gonna do some injectables. Might, might alter
3: your DNA, and you know what, have unintended consequences. <laughs>
0: yeah. Injectables.
3: No, thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and that brings brings us to another point in the article, actually, that the long term safety studies, that the drug trials for yeah. the vaccines are still ongoing. So. Uh, The fact that they've been approved for emergency use by the FDA doesn't mean that they're safe. It means that now if you're getting the vaccine, you're part of the long-term safety study. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, they came out, what, a month ago? They can't have long-term safety studies on it. It's impossible. Like, we're not going to see some... I think you were saying about it last show, Erica. We're not going to see some of these effects until for, like, years. For years. So, Yeah. The idea that that something was made, you know, brought out last week has like long term safety analysis. It clearly doesn't, which has always been something um, that vaccines had to prove um, before they were accepted in the past. So, yeah, it doesn't have FDA approval. I don't know how many people even know that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. One of my him. patients brought that up. He said he, he asked me if I was getting back, getting one of the shots. And um, I started to get into this, you know, with with most people, I kind of feel it out to see which way I want to go with it. But he said, well, I'm not going to get it because I don't want to be, you know, in a class action lawsuit. 20 years from now, because, you know, he said, I just have imagining it's going to be like the mesothelioma commercials. And you yeah. have a COVID vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine in 2021. Yeah. Call this number. Or you may mm-hmm. be eligible. And I said, well, you won't, those peop- people won't be able to be, there will be no class action lawsuits unless the laws change because mm-hmm. they can't be held liable for that. And he was like, really? Wow. Now I'm really glad I didn't get the va- get a shot. Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of interesting that he was thinking about. And he's, he's about my age, like, you know, late thirties, early forties. And, um, so that was kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, but that's, I don't think a lot of people realize that they, they think that FDA approval for emergency use is the same as, uh, the FDA, you know, looking over all the data and deciding that it's safe.
1: Yeah. It's not the same thing at all. The emergency use thing. That's uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of pulled the wool over everybody's eyes, mm-hmm. you know. And they just, you know, you have to trust and the science. So that means it's safe. So,
0: right.
3: Until it's. I mean, not. it's especially and
0: crazy with coronavirus vaccines because the science shows that uh, coronavirus vaccines are not safe. They're, they haven't been able to successfully make safe coronavirus vaccines. They haven't gotten past right. animal studies, and that's another one of uh, his early points in this article. Um, the issue with coronavirus vaccines in both the one actually study with children I think back in the 60s and also with animals since then repeatedly the issue has been that the vaccine causes um, viable antibody production in the subjects but when they're exposed to the wild virus uh, their their immune system actually overreacts to it and uh, they end up with those kind of cytokine storms like what we were hearing about in the news early on in the pandemic. So um, as far as we know, that issue, you know, we have no idea if that issue has been addressed. We don't know uh, um, how suddenly that's not a problem. And basically, at this point, we have to hope that that's not going to what's not going to be what happens because um There will be a lot of very, very sick people next cold and flu season. Yeah.
3: Well, I thought it was interesting under that header that you were talking about. He calls it the ugly history of attempts to make coronavirus vaccines. He said the 1960s scientists attempted to make RSV, respiratory synthetical virus, for infants. 80% of the infants vaccinated required hospitalization Two of them died. So in, you know, with this children now being vaccinated, and then he has these four bulleted points. Uh, If you want to read individual studies, check these out. In 2004, attempted vaccine produced hepatitis and ferrets. 2005, mice and civets became sick and more susceptible to coronavirus after being vaccinated. 2012 ferrets became sick and died and in this study mice and ferrets developed lung disease and then 2016 lung disease in mice so i think at this point you're better off just taking your 99.8 whatever chance of getting (laughs) covid and actually having immunity for potentially up to a year if not for life i think you know, I'll take my chances
1: with that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. And I think a, a number of people don't know that either because that when they were first started talking about the vaccine, I started thinking about that. Like, you know, how are they going to get beyond this problem? Because they had talked about this when the SARS thing was around, like the first SARS, SARS-1. Mm-hmm. Um the, they had been trying to make a vaccine for it, and they kept running into this problem where, uh, what do they call it, antibody-dependent enhancement, also mm-hmm. known as vaccine-enhanced disease, which is basically this cytokine storm that you were talking about, James, where you know, it looks like you're, they're creating the antibodies after they've gotten the vaccine, so it's like, oh, good, it's working, yay, but then as soon as they get in uh, contact with the wild virus, they have this exaggerated response to it, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I remember them talking about that. So I had been wondering, how are they going to get past this? Like, they've never been able to make a COVID vaccine before. You know, the common cold, you know, everybody was always like, why don't they make a vaccine for the common cold? They can make it for the flu. Well, this is why they've been having this problem yep. over and over again. So all of a sudden, though, it's just kind of like they snapped their fingers and that problem disappeared. So... Mm-hmm. It's very curious. I mean, I guess the, on the one hand, the mRNA vaccines they are they aren't using the same methods as they had previously, so maybe those ones won't have this reaction. Maybe, but um, the other ones, like the Moderna and the um, AstraZeneca, wait, Moderna, Moderna's mRNA, Johnson and Johnson, Johnson and Johnson, Johnson and right? Johnson. Johnson and Johnson and the uh, AstraZeneca. Um, I don't know how they've gotten past this problem, or if they have.
0: And that's where the long-term safety studies
1: would come in handy at. yeah
0: that's ongoing yeah and that you know anyone who's gotten the shot is now a part of yeah basically exactly. so you're part of a giant drug trial now yeah and you're not being paid for it unfortunately you. no and you weren't
2: <laughs> except uh, in donuts,
0: <laughs> donuts. right <laughs> except oh in donuts Uh, oh he does a really good job covering informed consent also because that's a big issue and and it feeds right into this whole um, idea of well you know approved for emergency use versus fda approved and um, the emergency use kind of bypasses the normal safety studies and um, the media narrative certainly is that they're safe you know they're safe and effective go get your shots everybody Mm -hmm. get get your shots um and even though there are ex- there are handouts presumably that are given to people when they go to get their shots um
1: you know, those
2: know. those handouts are not the vaccine inserts. They're just mm. some CDC printout telling you expect these mild side effects. They don't say what the ingredients are or any data for any trials or anything like that. Mm. The vaccine inserts are actually more detailed than these little, I just call them leaflets, that they hand out to people when they come in for shots, for anything, any kind of shot.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I think he goes on to talk about how the vaccine adverse events reporting system um, is known to underreport vaccine right. adverse effects. You know, Bears. maybe 1% of events are reported. I think we talked about that on last week's show with the childhood vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Less
1: than 1%. Yeah. Less than 1%. Yeah. Less than 1% get reported.
0: Less than 1%, and he says that uh, so far, uh, as of, let's see, between December 14, 2020 and March 26, 2021, uh, 2,249 deaths were reported and 7,726 serious injuries. So if less than 1% have been reported, I mean, you can do the math on that, but you could extrapolate that out to somewhere between 100 and, and 200,000 deaths from the vaccine to date. And a large number of adverse reactions, you know, 7,000, that's 700,000, you know, 800,000 adverse reactions, something like that. And those are serious injuries, not just a sore arm.
1: Yeah. Well, they said that those numbers don't even uh, include the 578 cases of Bell's palsy. Yep. Yeah. Which, you know, can be serious um you know sometimes it's just a temporary thing where your face kind of goes paralyzed for a little while but um you know it can actually be permanent in some people and uh yeah it's an it's an indication that some kind of neurological damage is going on even if uh the long-term effects might you might you know get over it but um yeah it's clearly something something crazy is going on there
0: i think some of that comes down to the lack of informed consent because if people knew what they were consenting to they'd be more likely you know and they knew what the potential side effects were or had a better idea of it they might be more likely to recognize when they were you know suffered an injury from the vaccine and then report the injury mm-hmm. um, but it, and it's it's very difficult to associate the two it's mostly by um, you know close correlation well you know I got the shot on Tuesday and on thursday i have bell's
1: palsy mm-hmm. well and the doctors a lot of times are discouraging the connection too they oh no no that couldn't have been from the vaccine no that's that's unrelated
2: yeah. because yeah, the vaccines p- are safe
1: that's the narrative exactly
2: you practically have to drop dead while the needle is still in your arm for anybody to say that the vaccine caused your death
1: yeah and even then it's iffy yeah even then it's iffy <laughs> no it's a precondition <laughs>
3: Well, another thing that's kind of interesting that I've experienced with, so I work with an older elderly population and they've all gotten vaccinated. And a lot of them have told me after the second Pfizer shot that they got sick as a dog. They've never Mm -hmm. been so sick in their life, fever, cold chills, the whole thing. And then they turn to you and look at you and say, now i know it's working (laughs) and (laughs) you know i mean uh, i I mean i just uh, you you have to i mean maybe it's a good thing we're wearing the masks right so my mouth doesn't drop open like um okay you know but i i would say you know out of 10 people eight out of this 10 people have reported after the second shot they had literally got sicker than they've been ever
1: Wow.
2: Well, that definitely is like the one positive to the mass. I don't know how many times I successfully hit my grimaces and sneers. And <laughs> just odd faces that I've pulled just listening to some people talk. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there there's been a lot of uh, media uh, media articles basically talking about like if you get sick then that means that it's working like these people are just parroting what they hear on the news it's bizarre
0: yeah it's true yeah, yeah. i almost wonder if the second the re- strong response to the second shot is related to what we were talking about earlier about the um vaccine uh, antibody um basically that they get the first shot and it primes the body so then they get the second shot and it's like getting exposed to the antigen right. again so then the mm-hmm. the body reacts more strongly and the narrative is that well we're trying to provoke that immune response to get a strong mm-hmm. antibody production but then when you get exposed to the live virus the third you know the third time what's going to happen yeah then so hopefully of course we all hope that they'll work the way that they're supposed to work and people will have reduced symptoms because that's really what they're supposed to do. And this goes into his point number nine, the vaccines did not stop transmission or infection. So when I first heard this on the news, I don't know about you guys, I was kind of mind blown. I said, what do you mean? They don't, that isn't that the whole point of a vaccine? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The whole point of a vaccine is to make you immune to the virus, which means you, you can't be infected. You don't, you can't get sick. You can't pass it to somebody else. Yeah. Apparently not. Um, these uh, injectables are intended to release, reduce symptoms if you are infected by the COVID-19 virus. So basically they're the same as therapeutic drugs that you might use to treat the virus. Cough syrup. Um, In that way, Mm -hmm. cough syrup, exactly. Acetaminophen, reduce Mm -hmm. the fever. Um, But at least we have a long, you know, debatable trait track record of safety with something like <laughs> Tylenol. You know, obviously well, you, yeah. can, you can overdose on Tylenol, but most people can take, you know, within the recommended range and um, not suffer, you know, life altering neurological damage. Right. Um, but that was one of the things for me when I heard about this, I thought to myself, well, the main reason I would think about getting one of these shots would be to prevent transmission to, you know, vulnerable people in my life. You know, some of my patients who maybe are immune compromised or something like that. But if I can't even count on the shot to prevent me from catching COVID-19 and transmitting it to somebody else, then what's the point of getting it? Because as a, you know, 39-year-old man without any comorbidities, if I did catch COVID, I would have, you know, a 99.6% chance of surviving it or whatever, The number current number is from the CDC and I could still catch it and be an asymptomatic spreader. So I wonder if it's not, if the drugs don't stop uh, infection and transmission, then isn't this potentially just going to make the whole idea of asymptomatic spread worse because all of the people who have gotten the shot, they can still catch it and spread it to other people. Yeah. But they're supposed to have less fewer symptoms. Yeah. So I wonder what you guys think about
1: that. Well, it also, not to derail your point here, James, but it also completely tears down the entire narrative behind the the vaccine passports. It's mm-hmm. like, what the, yeah. what, what the hell is the point? Like, why is yeah. a person who's been vaccinated able to get on a plane and a person who hasn't been vaccinated not able to get on the plane if it doesn't stop transmission, it doesn't stop you from getting sick, it doesn't stop anything. All it does is make you feel a little bit better when you got it.
2: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: It's mind blowing. Yeah.
0: Um, let's see. So Well that
3: that final point too, James. What yeah. if you already had it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I notice in the vaccine passport discussion they don't say, well, if you've already had it and you have, you know, the antibodies, that that that's proof too. It's just the vaccine mm-hmm. or the PCR test. Not all these people that had it, maybe had it and didn't even know they had it, but that have natural immunity.
0: Oh, I don't think we have natural immunity anymore because our immune no. system stopped working about a year ago. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. It doesn't the, exist. The
0: only way to achieve immunity now is with the vaccine.
1: Yeah. Mm. Herd
0: immunity comes oh, that's from right. Vaccines. Despite
1: the fact that they've been talking <laughs> about herd immunity for the last hundred years, it only, it only comes from modern vaccines now.
2: Yeah. Follow the science
1: guys. Yeah, come on.
3: Exactly. I'm so glad I tuned into the show and learn something.
0: (laughs) Stick with the science guys. So let's see, he, he talks about, uh, people are catching COVID after being vaccinated, which, you know, there's a number of, um, he, he offers a bunch of links, which of course follows from the idea that the quote vaccinations don't confer immunity and, um, the overall death rate he covers, um, from the CDC, I think with links, um, according to the CDC's own numbers, COVID has a 99.74% survival rate across all age groups. Uh, so at his age in his forties, he has a 0.26% chance of dying from it. No, I'm sorry. 0.1% chance. I think he's in his forties. So he's a little older than I am and his children would have a, uh, 0.01% chance of dying from COVID, all other things being equal. And as far as I know, his kids don't have any comorbidities. So why why get the shot? I guess is the the argument there. And that's you know, there's a lot of evidence that the death numbers are inflated. So he goes over that issue, which I'm sure regular listeners of our show have heard about and read about. But basically people who die with COVID are being reported as dying from COVID. Um, and it's hard to tell how much that's inflated the death numbers, but maybe, you know, by a factor of, okay. uh, let's see, he, he talks about it, maybe 6% of the deaths being attributed to COVID where COVID or th- was the only issue at hand.
1: Yeah. So, so 94% in other words had nothing. Died with COVID versus died with dying COVID. from COVID. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So that kind of covers a lot of the scientific, um, you know, problems that he has with the uh, the narrative. Um, he also talks about the fact that the virus continues to mutate like all viruses do. Um, one expert that he quotes says that the virus uh, mutates about every 10 hours. So, he wonders how are we going to keep making vaccines to keep up with that level of mutation, and of course we're not. Um, the the cynics among us might see that They'll as try, an opportunity though. for yes, exactly. They'll we try can try. <laughs> we can try. There's a lot of vaccines and a lot of people to vaccinate there. Um, and so he he talks about another issue that a lot of people seem unaware of, which is that um, Dr. Fauci and six other, at least six other scientists or officials at the NIAID own patents in the Moderna vaccine. So they actually have a financial stake in promoting the success of the Moderna vaccine because they own patents that it's dependent on. So presumably they would be um, stand to gain financially from the use of the Moderna vaccination.
3: No conflicts yeah. of interest there. Nope, absolutely. Well, it's, no. it's all
0: it's all perfectly legal, thanks to the Bay dole Act, um, which he doesn't talk about when that was passed. But it's a it's a um, act that was enacted basically to allow government workers to file patents on the research that they use that that they do using taxpayer funding. So basically, uh, researchers can use taxpayer funding, taxpayer grants to conduct research into things like um, mRNA technology, apparently, and they can then file private patents so that they can make money on the research that they're conducting uh, with taxpayer dollars, which I don't know about the rest of you, but I find that somewhat infuriating. Mm -hmm.
3: And they can set the policy right? So they can make the vaccine passport, they can require testing. So they're just, it's just a big cash cow. Yeah.
0: The whole idea of uh, the term public servant kind of goes right out the window there. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought of, you know, being a public servant meant that you were giving something up in order to serve the public at large. Like, you know, you set aside the financial gains that you could make in, the private, in private industry in order to do something to, you know, for the greater good of society. And it seems like the way that things are set up now, people wanna, you know, have their cake and eat it too, basically. Have the benefits of appearing to be this great public servant, you know, in Fauci we trust, you know, he's yeah. like, there are children's books being written about him, these bumper stickers everywhere. He's like, you know, portrayed as this public hero, and as far as I know, you know, most people have no idea that he has a financial stake and this massive conflict of interest in the Moderna vaccine. Let alone um, point number fourteen, which is that Fauci is being investigated for illegal gain-of-function research. So, what is gain-of-function re- research? It's where scientists attempt to make vaccines gain functions. In other words, make them more infectious, make them cause new symptoms or make them deadlier. So that sounds kind of crazy, right? So I think the idea there, the, the, the um, rationale behind that kind of research is that they can make more effective vaccines. Um, however, our government in the United States at least doesn't think that that's you know, particularly ethical and is potentially dangerous, so it was banned. Um, but that didn't stop the NIAID and Dr. Fauci, so they outsourced the gain-of-function research that they wanted to do on coronaviruses to China um, by, with a $600,000 grant. And for those of you who are thinking that this is fake news, you're welcome to take a look at the article that we're discussing. He um, provides links to sources. Um, this is, at least for now, public knowledge. Um there's also he links to a documentary that covers all of this. But anyway, I think that Dr. Fauci has some explaining to do about that. Absolutely. Without, you know, going down the rabbit hole, it seems like a uh, another potential issue in at least his public image. Yeah. Definitely. And another reason to not trust him and is um promoting all of these um injectables.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we're quite over our time now, so we should actually probably wrap it up.
2: Do a wrap it up. Well, this is a good article to share with people who are probably on the fence about whether they should be vaccinated or not. Yeah. Um, I, When people ask me if I'm gonna take it, I just say no and I say mm-hmm. why and if they express any interest from the little bit of explanation that I offer, then I will give them more information. I actually told my uncle a lot of the things that the author of this article talked about and he chose not to take it. And I've said some things to other people and they went ahead and took it anyway. But I think we should just go ahead and say what number 19 should be. (laughs) The 19th reason not to take the COVID injection is because no. (laughs) Because I don't want to. And that should suffice. (laughs) Because I always practice in my head, like, what's it going to be like when it comes down to like someone in a position of authority over you, like an employer or somebody asking you if you're going to take the vaccine or someone saying that it's going to be mandatory? I will simply say no and they can ask me why and I say no suffices or a no would suffice. I don't Mm. feel that there's, (laughs) I mean, when it comes down to it, if it comes down to it, I will quit my job Mm. and any explanation outside of that is really nobody's business, quite frankly. And.
1: No, it's true. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And in the
3: U.S., you can say no and don't violate my HIPAA right. It's my right. It's none of your business. Mm-hmm. now take right, that equal, go.
0: equal rights laws right <laughs> <Yeah>. equal opportunity <laughs> all right well thanks for listening to me uh talk about this article i think i <laughs> talked a lot in this show so i hope it was interesting for everyone mm-hmm. and um we'll sign off and see you next week
2: okay
1: bye everybody bye bye